making all things new. Step by step, word by word, act of justice and righteousness by act of justice and righteousness. So uh, in Denton, with its trees and its lakes and its parks and its agrarian roots, it is a good place to love nature. And so Lindsay, my wife and I, have been uh, doing our best to raise our kids as people who appreciate um, and love creation, except for mosquitoes, of course. We teach them to kill those on sight. Uh, sorry to the Buddhists out there. Uh, so far, I've gotten my daughter Grace to learn how to love to eat watermelon and dirt at the same time. We're still working on the details that you eat the red part of the watermelon and not the green part. And uh, we've taught our son how to hug a tree, as you should. Hudson hugs trees, and he looks up into the, the heights, and he admires their tall canopies, and then after like three seconds, he's done, and <laughs> he's on to playing, and he moves on. After all, how could a kid who's only been on earth for three years really appreciate the wonder of a tree that's been around longer than his grandparents, uh, and the magnificent tree that has grown from those same little acorns that he loves to chunk at his sister while she's out playing We're going to have to do a little bit more cultivating of our little nature lovers, but we're trying. So a few weeks ago, I was was visiting a church member and a longtime Denton resident whose wife had recently passed away. And on the way into their house, I admired this tree that was in the front of their yard, a beautiful shumard red oak. This picture does not do it justice. It's over 70 feet tall. It's the biggest tree in the neighborhood, and it was just stunning. And I, I told him, wow, that tree is absolutely beautiful. And he started telling me the story about how when his wife and he were first married, that they went out to his wife's family land, and they dug up this sapling that was on the edge of a bank, and they brought it back to their house, and they planted it in their front yard. And over the 60 years that they were married, that tree grew alongside them. And he said, that tree grew big, but I'll tell you, our love grew bigger. And I wiped a tear from my eye, and I committed myself next anniversary not to buy flowers, but to buy a tree, and to love my wife like Benny and Joyce loved each other. And so on the way out to my car, scattered underneath the tree, I saw a hundred of these little things, these little acorns that had come from that tree, just like this, these seeds that held trees inside them, waiting to be planted, waiting to grow. So every seed contains the tree, the future and all that it will be. And all you need is a seed plus some nutrients and time. And it grows like love that's cultivated. So as we move through our community and through our life, we're dropping seeds along the way as we go, aren't we? Seeds of love and goodness, of peace and compassion, of justice and truth. Or we drop seeds that, like weeds, can choke those things out. This past week, we've seen the weeds of hatred and bigotry and fear threaten to choke out the goodness in our world. But we've also seen people like this who locked arms to plant seeds of peace in our world. And those seeds are powerful, but they're small but they're powerful because they contain the potential of full-grown trees that will stand for years. And what we sow with our life and with our words, what we sow with our love and with our investments matters. 
And even though we don't always get to see the full-grown tree or the fruit, the God of sun and rain and nutrients and time is faithful and is at work in every life helping peace grow to fullness and seeds grow to fruit. So last week we talked about how God calls us to be in our community in Denton, Texas, in this beautiful, funky conscious, but still a little country, small, but big-hearted and open-minded city. And to do that, we looked at this story from the history of Israel, a time in Israel's history when they were taken away into exile. They'd been conquered in 587 BC by Babylon and carried off to a new city. And they were in this challenging situation. They were displaced. Uh, They hadn't gotten their pattern of life established They hadn't gotten their internet hooked up or their utilities hooked up yet, um, which is, you know, critical stuff on the way. They were, they hadn't quite figured out how to be in this new place where they were, and there were all these different voices around them telling them how they should be and how they should posture themselves toward the community around them. They were like the new students who were in new grades or new schools this past week, or the students who are moving into TWU and UNT as we speak right now, and of like all of us who wake up every single day and are still trying to figure out, I was joking with someone back then, that we're still trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up, and still trying to figure out how to be in our neighborhood, in our life, in our schools, in our workplaces. But God said, I don't want you to just be in the places where I have you. Be in the cities where you are as tourists or as takers. And I don't want you to be against the places where you are as opposition or antagonists. Instead, I want you to be for the city, for the places that I have you, for the people around you. And so we read this passage from Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. It says this, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is the instructions of the places where we live. Build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat what they produce. Multiply there and do not decrease. In this place where we are, grow life, plant seeds, put down roots and make a home and a life that bears fruit. And rather than disappearing, increase. Increase in life in the place where you are. But not just for yourself. The passage goes on. It says, seek the shalom in verse 7. Seek the shalom of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. Seek the shalom of the city. And shalom was this Hebrew word for universal, holistic flourishing. Seek the universal, holistic flourishing of the community around you, the spiritual, social, economic equitable, relational, educational, environmental, holistic flourishing, the shalom of the places where you are. And God says, no matter how long we're here in Denton, make a home, make an impact for good. For in its holistic flourishing, we will find our flourishing as well. We are bound up together, sharing the same climbing trees as we move through this world. And so we are called to always throw sunshine and never shade in the world or in the language of Glitterbaum. Unless it's a good shade tree that we're planting along the way, we can sure throw shade then. So let's dig in. Let's get some dirt under our fingernails. Let's plant some seeds. And let's let the seeds that we plant 
before this city and for its people. So the seeds that we plant, just like the gardens that we plant, make a home and a shelter for life. So we're called to let our seeds make a home and a shelter for others. So Jesus talked about it this way. He talked a lot in his teaching with this metaphor of seeds to describe the way that God is at work in our world for renewal and for reconciliation, for love for all people in our world. And so Jesus would say things like this. He said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It's like a mustard seed. Okay, time out. Before we get to the seed part of this thing, let me go back a little bit and catch the, the kingdom of God thing, because that if you haven't like hung out with churchy people before, that's a very strange thing to say. What does that even mean? Like maybe we picture this bearded dude sitting on a throne being the king, um, maybe like an iron throne, but instead of swords and vengeance, it's like sun rays and rainbows that are going out from it, um, which is, I think, <laughs> or it could be the queen that's sitting on it, too. I think this is actually how Game of Thrones ends. We learned that Daenerys was actually Queen Elizabeth, and uh, that the crown was like a sequel to Game of Thrones. I think that totally makes sense. The kingdom of God is this metaphor, because back in those days, there were kings and queens who reigned over areas and set the way of life in those places. And this kingdom of God language was Jesus' way of saying that the kingdom of God are those places where God's love and God's life reigns. Those places where love sits on the throne and those places where the love of God reigns. And what you find in that dominion, in that area, are places that are beginning to live life as it should be. The kingdom of God is life as God intends. It's universal, holistic flourishing. It is shalom. And so as we spread that, we are spreading the kingdom. Jesus' message was simple. God's life is breaking through the kingdom of God, life as God intended it, is near. It's at hand. It's available to you and to us and to all people. Over and over, Jesus' invitation to this kingdom kind of life was wide and open. It was for all who would come, for whosoever, for anyone who seeks, no matter what. We're invited to let that kingdom grow in our lives and to plant its seeds everywhere we go, in our city and in our world. So here's the rest of what Jesus said in that particular passage. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden, and it grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. The mustard seed was a tiny, tiny seed, like a grain of sand. But it grows into this beautiful, golden canopy, this protective canopy that buzzes and bursts with biodiversity. And just like that, Jesus gives us this recognizable character of these growing kingdom seeds that God is planting in our world. The kingdom grows, and it gives shelter, and it gives life to all among our diversity who find its protective branches. Even if they don't like mustard, it's okay. They can come in. So whatever else you do, let the seeds that you sow give shelter and create a place where others can find safety and welcome and flourishing. We're to build a community that includes everyone, that shelters all, a place that is just and equitable, that promotes universal flourishing opportunity 
and life as God intends. And we plant those seeds by our words of peace and hospitality, by our actions of compassion and justice and welcome for those created in the image of God, by listening to someone's story, by affirming their journey and who God built them to be seed by seed, we create community. We invest in flourishing and we work as God's co-creators and co-cultivators with the creative God. So there's a benediction in our Methodist tradition that kind of sums up the character of kingdom seed sowing in this beautiful way. Here's what it says. It says, bear witness to the love of God in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. I'm going to read that again. Bear witness to the love of God in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you, in you and you and me, a generous friend. May that be the character of the seeds that we are planting in our lives and here at Open and in our city, that they bear witness to the love and the life of our God. So last week we talked about seeking shalom in our city, and we said that the call to do that and the path forward is, is to do these things, to start where we are with what we have, to come in posture as a servant, and to seek shalom, seek the flourishing of the places around us. And that's still decent advice. I haven't changed my mind since last week. Don't worry, but I want to add some things to the list. We talked about giving shelter to those around us. So here's a couple of other principles for being good seed sowers in our world. First is this, support your local farmer. <laughs> here's what I mean. God's message to Israel is to become a part of the city, to plant gardens and build homes, to increase in life there and not just blend in, but become part of the fabric of the places where we are. And as we seek the shalom in our cities, we are to support others who are increasing life as well. Right here in our town, there are others who are at work sowing seeds and cultivating gardens, trying to build and to be the beautiful community. And we're called to support them and encourage those who are working for good to be generous and to be on the lookout for those, to join those places where God is already at work. There are so many seed planters and cultivators and beauty creators here in our city, and I would encourage you to seek their flourishing this week. So this week, here's, um, Pastor Don always gives homework in, in some of the other services, so here's your homework. Find something local, a place where people are cultivating life, and support it with your presence. Go to a local music concert or to an art show. Go to a community gathering or, or to a vigil. One night this week, go eat at a local restaurant. That's your homework <laughs> this week. Go eat, and while you are there, Find the waitstaff or the servers, find the owner or the chef, and thank them for planting here in our community, for sowing seeds and bringing life. And then tip, if you can. That helps. Support your local farmer. Second thing is this. Love the others. There will always be opposition and obstacle. As you're planting seeds, there will always be others who are planting other kinds of seeds around us. And not everything you plant takes root. There may be weeds that are choking it out or weeds of apathy or intolerance 
of cynicism or hate. Or at my house, there might be mockingbirds that fly by and eat your tomatoes before they get fully grown up. Atticus Finch says that it's a sin to kill a mockingbird, right? But I really hope it's not a sin to glare at them really sternly. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I do. There will always be obstacles. There will always be others. But our call is to love them and to seek their shalom too, which is crazy, right? And it was for Israel. It was in this story that we read. Babylon was everything that Israel was not. Babylon had conquered Israel and carried its people away into exile, and still God said, seek their shalom. Just as Jesus said, love those who consider themselves your enemy. Because our lives are deeply intertwined. If they are better, then we are all better. And so we say, I will seek your shalom, no matter what. I'm not saying to go into unsafe spaces, but if you do, let it be love that leads you there. And when you get there, let the seeds that you sow be seeds of peace, of love, and of grace, and of justice and goodness. So I've got a picture of my grandfather here who was an amazing man. Um, He is an amazing man. He still works in his garden every single day. It's an organic garden. He has this amazing grove of blueberries um, that are just absolutely beautiful. And so I'm asking him as I'm struggling with mockingbirds in my own yard, how do you keep the birds away? You know, do you put a net over the bushes? Do you sit out there with an air horn and just blow it? And here was his answer. He said, nah, I just plant enough for the birds too. We're called as God's people to plant enough love for the others and the opposition too. So lastly this morning, there's this, that as we plant the seeds we sow are called to be planted in radical love because being nice is powerful. It is better than the alternative, trust me, but God calls us to more than just superficial niceness. God calls us to radical love because shalom is love that goes deep down to the roots and reaches into every domain of human existence. It goes deep. So that word radical has its etymology and its history in the Latin root radix, which means root, Um, which is where we get the word radish, which of course is the most radical of all the vegetables. Our seeds and our actions, our words, our plans, our investments are to be radical. That is, to be rooted in God's deep love for humanity. A love which is at its root for all people, that seeks the holistic flourishing of all, no matter age, race, creed, orientation, identity, religion, TWU, UNT, TBD, whatever, God's love is rooted in this vision of God's kingdom, this God's shalom vision of universal, holistic flourishing. So when you as a teacher or an education worker care for your students, you do it not because it's your job, but because at the root of this all, these kids are beloved children of God, built to flourish as God created them. And when students were gracious to our teachers, It's not just because we want them to show back on Monday 
but because at the root of it all that they too are children of God who give of themselves and we want them to flourish. And when you smile at someone whose language or religion might be different than yours, you smile a smile that is rooted in the heart of God and in this vision that God speaks all languages and that the kingdom of God is of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue and that no culture is supreme. God's love is supreme. And that's radical love that's rooted in the heart of our God. So we're called to have this rooted, deep vision of the tree that will be in every seed that we plant. And so we do our best to plant God's dream for this city. And if you don't know what that is, if if you're thinking, how do I do this in my life, in my dorm, in my family, I would just invite you to ask, to ask God to open your eyes and open your heart and stir to a place where you can plant a seed of goodness in our world and then have the courage to act on it. To act on it in the businesses that you invest in, in the real estate that you build, in the way you interact with your clients or co-workers or co-dorm mates. Seek the shalom of the places where God has you. Because the kind of seeds we plant, what they're rooted in, and the way that we go about planting them matter. Plant in radical love. So in the past year, I've been returning to the, the civil rights movement for wisdom and for courage. And, and recently I was reading memoirs of John Lewis, who's one of the remaining saints of that generation that marched with Dr. King. There he is on the right-hand side there. He was one of that generation that marched arm-in-arm with Dr. King across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. He was one of those who was beaten unconscious by the state police on what would become known as Bloody Sunday. But that experience did not stop him or change the fact for any of them that the seeds that they were planted were rooted in love. He wrote in his memoir of the movement across the bridge, he said the civil rights movement was, above all, a work of love. Even though few describe it that way, it was love in its highest form, in its deepest form, most closely rooted in God. They were, in the face of violence and hatred and opposition, trying, as Dr. King used to joke, they were trying to love the hell out of everyone and love the hell out of this world, because that's what love can do. But it's no easy task to love like this, and so they dug their roots down deep, and they worked hard to learn the way of peace and love and nonviolence. They trained in this, seriously. They trained for weeks and months before any sit-in or march or freedom ride. They would meet in church basements, They would study the Bible and the way of Jesus and read Gandhi and Thoreau on civil disobedience and internalize practical, physical disciplines of courtesy and conduct. They practiced being kind, making eye contact. They made sure their clothes were coat and tie and dresses to express courtesy to the culture around them. And they made sure that no matter what, their words were always calm and peaceful. They would engage in intense role-playing of the social dramas and practiced withstanding the violence that they would face and protect their vital organs in the midst of the onslaught that might come. They trained 
and they worked so that every seed that they planted would be planted in radical love and peace because they weren't just trying to get legislation passed. They were trying to get past the weeds and the seeds of this world. They were seeking transformation. They were seeking shalom. And the end that they were looking to was the kingdom of God, what Dr. King called the beloved community. And along the way, the means created the ends. The means nourished the seeds they would plant that would give shelter to many. But most of all, they trained and they practiced loving each other in the movement together. Among that diverse movement, they tried to be the beloved community for and with each other. John Lewis said it this way. He said, I discovered that you have to have this sense of faith that what you are moving toward is already done and live as if. And so we tried to live that way together because the seed that we plant contains the tree. It just needs some nutrients, some time, And it's the same for us. The simple and profound truth of the end of our story is that God's love wins. What we are seeking and what we are headed toward is already done. And so we can sow courageously and sow in love and sow in radical love and live as if. It's what we're trying to do here at Open in our lives and in our community. We're not John Lewis or Dr. King. We come here to train in love and to grow in love and to practice loving each other and being the community that we seek, especially in our diversity, that we might bear witness to the beloved community that has already been planted, a love that already reigns in our world. Even if some days and weeks it's hard to see, we have faith. Because as Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. And though we cannot always see it, we have the assurance that God's love wins, God's kingdom come on earth as heaven intends, welcoming all to the shelter and to the place of flourishing. And faith is planting even when we can't quite see the harvest. And in some ways, as we go through this life, All we can do is plant seeds and plant gardens and nourish those little saplings that are growing around us, but it is those gardens that will bring shalom to our city. And so the only question for us is this, what kind of seeds will we plant? Will we just follow the status quo of our world and plant seeds of apathy and unkindness and hurry and hate and greed in each other's lives and in our city? Or will we plant seeds of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, righteousness, and justice? We don't always get to see the outcome. We don't always see the 70-foot tree that grows from what we've planted. But the God of rain and soil and sun and time is faithful to make those seeds grow. And so we can have faith that God can take even our clumsy mustard seed 
attempts to bring shelter and shalom in our world and build a kingdom. And so we live bearing witness to the love that has already won. Open, we're called to plant seeds, to plant gardens for peace. And the way we plant in our lives and in this place, we want that to be for this city. For in its shalom, we will find ours. So let's be for our city, for our neighbors, and let's get to work planting, cultivating, and loving our city. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, we are amazed by your story. God, but most of all, God, we're amazed by the hope that you have for us. The assurance that you have for us that your love wins. God, we see glimpses of it around us. And we see as we draw near to your heart, God, we see the story of Christ. God, that though uh, the stone was rolled in front of the tomb and it seemed like life was sealed up forever, new life broke forth. So God, let us be people of new life. God, let us be people of new love. Let us be people of your kingdom, of your shalom, as we plant seeds of the kingdom in our world. We pray this in your name. Amen.